Thank you, Ruth Ann. As she was singing, I couldn't help but reflect on the fact as Priscilla came in this morning, <clears throat> I said, how are you doing? And I don't remember her exact words, but the bottom line was, you know, I'm okay. <clears throat> I know God cares for me. And that's what the flowers are here from yesterday, the memorial service for Tammy, having lost a son about nine months ago, and then a daughter just recently. A couple questions, not looking for response, but some thought questions. Are the following individuals free? A student who cheats on a test. Is an employee who takes it easy when the boss is not around free? Is an alcoholic free? A believer who refuses to resolve a relational conflict, and that may go on for years and years, and they just kind of get into a rut of ignoring it. Are they free? Is a father who is not teaching, training his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord truly free? Why may, med- or why may frustration, emptiness, and lack of contentment, or what may frustration, emptiness, and lack of contentment in life indicate? Are the following items free? A ship setting in the middle of a road. A car in a lake. An iPod in a swimming pool. Last week, I mentioned that we're taking a couple weeks going away from Mark's gospel to discuss freedom in Christ, since Mark's gospel emphasizes Christ bringing freedom. And that stands in contrast to the religious leaders who brought bondage rather than freedom. So last week, we mentioned freedom. This morning, we want to talk about slavery and then next Sunday, we'll look in some detail at what, is, what does it mean to have freedom in Christ. We generally define freedom as, following, as follows last week. Living joyfully and contentedly with God's blessing from desire within the design, structure, and pattern which God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit created for us to live as a child of God. To get a better idea of freedom, we want to look at slavery. Slavery is a two-sided coin. And the first aspect of slavery is living with increasing emptiness and frustration, but generally not recognized by a person due to deception. They're living outside of God's design. God's structure, God's pattern, which God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit created for you as a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God. Living with increasing emptiness and frustration, and again, many people don't grasp that they're empty, that they're frustrated because they're running from one thing to another. But living outside of God's design, pattern, structure, which God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit created. It's kind of like a ship. A ship was created to be in the water. 
It's not free in the middle of a road. An iPod was not created to be at the bottom of a swimming pool. It's not free when it's in the swimming pool. I, as a husband and father, am not free if I'm not loving my wife and leading my wife and interacting with my children and their families. Freedom is different than slavery. Slavery, increasing emptiness and frustration as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, and so on. I want to give you a couple examples before we look at some scripture in relation to men, women, and so on. A man who is passive in life is a slave. Men by nature tend to be passive. They weren't created to be that way. According to Genesis chapter 1, a woman who values outward beauty far beyond the inward beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit is in slavery because they were designed to develop inwardly. A husband who is not loving and leading his wife is a slave because he was divided, created rather, designed to love and to lead his wife. A wife who is trying to change her husband, get him to shape up, is not free. She's a slave because she was designed to be a helper to complement her husband. A father who sits back and passively says, honey, go take care of the kids, is not free because he was designed to teach, train, and correct children. A mother who says, dad, 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 get busy, and you know, tries to harp on her husband is not free because she was not designed to do that. A citizen who forever complains about our government and how terrible we are is not free because a citizen was designed by God to obey governmental authorities, to pay taxes, and so on. That was God's design. When we're not doing that, we're slaves. A child who wants their own way is always begging mom and dad for something different than what mom and dad may say is not free. They're a slave because they're designed to obey mom and dad. A student who goes to school and does the least amount possible is not free because God's desire is for them to be studying and applying themselves. Let's take our Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 3. We looked some at Genesis 1 and 2 last week. Look at several passages this morning. Genesis chapter 3. We won't read the first seven verses, but we know that in that account, the serpent, who was more crafty than any of the wild animals, appeared to Eve and tempted Eve. Adam passively sat on the sideline and let this all take place. And in verse 7 of Genesis 3, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They move from freedom into slavery. What happens? Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid themselves, or hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
Apparently there had been some interaction. They chose to eat of the fruit from the tree that they were not to eat of, and what happened? They hide. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He, the man, answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. You know, there's a tremendous change taking place. In Adam, the man relating to God, the man relating to Eve, it's a dramatic change. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. And then we know that a curse is placed upon the serpent, upon Adam, and upon Eve. In their design, living in relationship with God, relating to one another, portraying the image of God, they chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and moved into slavery in the sense that they were no longer having the same freedom that they had had. Go over to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. The Lord God saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe man whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, the birds of the air, for I'm grieved that I made them. Every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved. He designed people to relate to him, to fellowship with him. And what are they doing? They're in slavery to evil. We won't turn there, but we could also turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 through 68, we find there that Israel, if they are not living according to the Mosaic law, and the Mosaic law was designed to help Israel relate to God and to other people and to have freedom. If they did not live to that or live according to that, they were going to be under a curse. And we find that that happened in the nation of Israel. Now let's go over to the New Testament. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. In Matthews 5, 6, and 7, we find that God, through Christ, gives what many times is called the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of that, in verse 24, Matthew 7 and verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is Christ speaking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The one man, the one person, applies the Sermon on the Mount. The other person does not. The one house stands firm, and the other falls with a great crash. Now notice some of the things that were said in this passage. Verse 3 of Matthew 5. Matthew 5 and verse 3, Blessed are the pure in, or poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the idea of being poor in spirit is, I can't handle life, you know. <clears throat> I need help. I need to look to someone beyond myself. And he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That stands in contrast to our world today. Our world today says, you can do it. Try, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, so to speak. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. When we're not poor in spirit, then we're in bondage. He also says, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You can't be comforted if you never mourn. Again, the enemy would tell us, you can handle life. Don't mourn, don't grieve. And our culture more and more is going away from that because, you know, we want to have, get funerals over quickly and, you know, just go on with life. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, an unwillingness to mourn would indicate slavery. Because in a fallen world, mourning is part of life. And Christ can't comfort if there's not mourning. Look at verse 43 of chapter 5. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you will become sons of your Father in heaven. Love your enemies? That sounds like pretty hard stuff. Well, if we're not doing that, then we're a slave. Because we're not living according to God's design. There's a second element that is also involved in bondage, in slavery, we had mentioned that it's living with increasing emptiness and frustration. A second aspect, the flip side of the coin would be, we can live in outward obedience to God's design with a host of do's and don'ts, but not a desire, but duty. Here is living outside of God's design. The flip side is, we may try to do what God says. 
what he says in his word, and then we add to Scripture and have a host of do's and don'ts. But it's done from duty and not desire. And we'll comment more on that next week as we deal with freedom that we have in Christ. I want you to stop and ponder some things. For the unbeliever, we find increasing bondage. Romans chapter 1, because there's a rejection of God. For the believer, it brings increasing, increasing possibility, passiveness that should be, Increasing passiveness, indifference, deception, and withdrawal from the body of Christ. As we go into slavery as a believer, there's greater passivity, indifference, deception, and withdrawal from Christ and the body of Christ. What happens in slavery also is that we go from one item to another trying to find fulfillment. Israel, as Isaiah says, they went from one watering hole to another and didn't find water. Men today, they'll pursue a job. Then they want a car. Then they want a house. Then they want money. And each of them comes up, comes up empty. You know trying to find fulfillment and going from one thing to another. But slavery always brings hurt, pain to oneself and those in his or her severe of influence. Share the account of a man that I know. Known him for many years. And he has gone from one watering hole to another professes to be a believer, but going from one watering hole to another. He tried a job. Did well in his job. Earned good money. Could provide well for his family. But the job got empty. And he took retirement as early as possible. In the process of the emptiness of the job and the emptiness of money, he tried other women. And that came up empty. And because he didn't like his location, he moved to another location. And that came up empty. The most recent interaction that I had with him, he was emptier than any point that I've seen in his life. Neglecting Christ. Slavery. Because he was not designed to live in that way. He's designed to find his joy and satisfaction in God and in Christ. With the Holy Spirit working in him. But instead, increasing slavery. Slavery brings freedom from roles and responsibility and rules. But it has painful results. Some examples. 
Ever stop and think about division among believers? Is because of slavery. As long as we live, we're going to have conflict with people, other believers. But God designed us in Christ to deal with them in a godly way. Another one, divorce. There's relational difficulties, but slavery can bring divorce. Some of you knew me when I was a little younger. I don't think any of you knew me when I was a teenager. When I claimed a love for God, and I think I loved God, but I was, could be very stubborn. Stick-to-itiveness is a better word. Very stubborn, self-willed, and I was going to get what I wanted. And if God had not done some work in my own life, I'm not sure where Ruth Ann and I would be today. I was a proud, haughty young man in many ways, claiming a love for God but not finding contentment in Christ. I was so proud and haughty that there was a point in my life I was going to prove Penn State University wrong because they would not accept me because my College boards were terrible. I was just a little bit over 18 or 800 out of 1,600. My grades were excellent. They wouldn't accept me. I ended up going a year, and I spent a whole year in college proving Penn State wrong, that I could get to grade and I could get into Penn State. But I must have four average my first year of college. And by then, God broke me and said, Dan, You're just being proud and haughty. I was in slavery to good grades. You say, what's that have to do with you and Ruth Ann? God began to break me that I didn't always have to be right in relating. I was the same guy that said to Ruth Ann, I'm a Mennonite and you're a Baptist. We won't get married unless you become a Mennonite or I become a Baptist and I'm not becoming a Baptist. I meant it. She went home and cried, and I went home. I know what's right. But see, when we're slaves, it can bring marital difficulties. It can bring individualism, that is isolation, where we have our own little world and we live. Someone comes up to us, how are you? I'm fine. You have any problems? Not really, it's going pretty good. When God designed us to share with other believers... I'm not so good today. In fact, I'm terrible. Or I'm really great today. Why are you really great today? I just got a job promotion. You know, sharing with others. And we could list other items that come as a result of slavery. Slavery, as we've been discussing, tends to go one of two directions. There's no rules, structure, or guideline, or there's excess rules for how to live in a relationship with God. The bottom line in slavery is that the creature thinks, believes, and acts like he knows more than the creator 
or the designer. It's not a matter of knowledge, but submission to the will, the design, the structure, the pattern of the designer. I spent a fair amount of money on these glasses. I try to use them according to the design. So if I need to pound a nail or hammer a nail, I do not take off my glasses and start to pound because they're not designed for that. They're not free when they're being used as a hammer. Been working some around the house and working with some blocks and borrowed Danny's saw. I didn't pull out, take my glasses off and say, well, I think this will work, and I start rubbing them over the block. They're not free when they're doing that. God created us for relating to him, relating to Christ with the Spirit of God working in us. And when I, as a creature, think that I know more than the designer, then I move from freedom into slavery. See, God as designer says that we as citizens are to pray for our government. We're to pay our taxes. We're not to whine and complain. And when I move out of God's design, then I move into slavery. So if I go to Ruth Ann often and whine and groan and complain about our government, I'm a slave. I'm free when I pray for them, when I pay my taxes with the correct attitude and so on. The same is true of an employer. An employer thinking I'm going to get every red cent I can out of that employee. I'm going to make them work their tail off for the meager wage I give. They're a slave. The employer is free when he or she is saying, I need to treat my employees with respect. Give them an honest day's wage for the work that they do. To be an encouragement and a blessing to them. That's when they're free. An employee is in slavery when he or she goes to work and thinks, hmm, boss isn't around. It's 10 minutes till break time. I'll start my break now. That's slavery. Because God's design is for them to work hard as on to the Lord. The individual or family or church or nation that chooses to reject reject God's design, structure and pattern for which they were created results in going from one item to another to find fulfillment. But fulfillment never becomes a reality. That's slavery. 
There may be a short-term false joy. But it always brings pain and hurt to others. Slavery gives us the false assurance that we are in control of things. And things will turn out well. In reality, we have played into Satan's domain. The world's philosophy and the desires of the sinful nature, which leads us to greater slavery, frustration, and death of relationships. Yes, we may be in control. But we're heading the wrong direction. As you think about the Gospel of Mark, Jesus ministered. He came to bring freedom. But the religious people were in slavery and in bondage. For them, a list of do's and don'ts. Christ fought them over and over again because he offered freedom. And I would pose a question as we wrap it up. How do we in this area, in the greater Wyoming Valley, live in slavery as a professing body of Christ? How do we as a professing body of Christ in this area live in slavery? I'm going to answer my own question with just a few thoughts. Remember things for years, thus an unwillingness to seek to resolve relational barriers and conflicts. I say this with somewhat of a grin on my face, but recently talking to someone within the last year and a half, and in the course of our conversation, something came up that happened years ago, and it involved me. And I just kind of shook my head and I thought, that was 34 years ago, and you're bringing up what happened. You're still carrying that around. Now think about families in our area. How many families in our area have relational conflict that has not been resolved? Enslaved. I'm talking among the professing body of Christ. How many church leaders in the greater Wyoming Valley have conflict that has never been resolved? I think in our area also, we battle with slavery to our desires. It's got to be my way. A couple examples of that music style. Talking to pastors in the area, music style and a form of worship is a form of slavery. You say, I've got to have this style of music, I can't really worship. Then you're a slave. Can I go to a church that has a different style of music than we have and worship? If I can't, maybe I'm a slave. 
to a certain style. You know, we can have our religious desires and demand them and in the process be a slave. We may say it's got to be hymns from a hymn known. If we don't have them, there's something wrong. Then we're slaves. See, that was the Pharisees. It had to be their way. One other one, then I'll wrap it up. In our area, and I'm not being critical of area, it's just the way we live. Some of us. Other areas may have other issues. We love to live as islands. We love to live as islands. You know, we build our little world and we just kind of live with our island, our family, or whatever it may be, rather than spilling out. I've lived in this area for 35 years. There are points in time I'm still an island. Not by our church. I still feel like an outsider many times as I relate to our community at times. I've never get in. I'm not saying that about our church. And you say, you must imagine that. Not when I'm told I'm an outsider. And I, I don't say that critically. I'm just saying we tend to do that. The home area I grew up in is the same thing. Mom and dad will say, oh, well, dad's not around, but mom, you know, say something about someone and say, mom, how long have they lived around here? Do you befriend them? Well, you know, that's slavery. That's human nature. We tend to do that. But Christ came to give freedom. And we'll consider freedom in Christ in detail next Sunday. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for loving us, caring for us. Thank you for Christ and the relationship that we have with you through Christ, that Christ is our life. Thank you for your spirit you've given to live within us. And Father, it's our desire to be sensitive to you. We looked at freedom last week. We looked at slavery this morning. And as we look at freedom in Christ next week, may we grow in understanding the freedom that we have in Christ. We live in a fallen world, we live in a broken world, and we struggle with slavery, Father. None of us are beyond that. May we grasp Christ and what we have in him as we live our lives this week for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.